Welcome to another episode of Coffee with Kareem. I am your host, Kareem Sirajuddin, founder of Nude Human Consulting. If you ever want to work with me, please visit nudehumanconsulting.com. Today I have Hakim Archuleta. He is, mashallah, a very wise man and has been practicing Islamic medicine and counseling for many years. And he shares with us today how to optimize a holistic lifestyle and get back into our bodies. Don't forget to support us at patreon.com slash coffee with Kareem. Links are in every description of every show for as little as $1 a month. Help this show keep going. And the more patrons I get, the more shows I can put out, the more shows I can release more frequently, inshallah. Please don't forget to leave us a lovely review on iTunes today. And thanks again for tuning in to the Coffee with Kareem podcast. This is Hakeem Archuleta, and you're listening to the Coffee with Kareem podcast. Sidi Hakeem, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you for joining me for a coffee. No, you're welcome. More than welcome. You know, I've had I've had um, even a couple of clients and uh, people that listen to the show because uh, people sometimes email me and they're like, "Oh, if you have," a, I always say, "If you have a suggestion for a guest, let me know." And and a couple of times your names popped up, so I'm glad you're you're finally on. And there's uh, people certainly listening Amen. that are waiting to hear your wisdom, inshallah. So um, first and foremost, Sidi Hakim, I'd love to hear more about your story uh, to Islam. Um, and, and how that has a significant role or part in, in what you do and why you do what you do today, as far as your service and your work. Sure. Well, uh, I mean, it's interesting because I was in Berkeley in the 60s. And at that time, I became very involved in all the things that were not all the things, but many of the things that were there in Berkeley, which is looking at alternatives, uh, you know, particularly alternatives, uh, spiritual beliefs and paths and so forth. So at the time, I was into uh, art theater, music, cinema, and uh, drama, and that sort of thing. And uh, we had, a, we had a, a, uh, a, a drama group. You know, we had a, a troupe of people that we did performance, and it was mostly street performance. And we studied ritual of all kinds from around the world. And in that process, we looked at all the religious sort of rituals and processes that were there from China and uh, you know, all these different countries historically and so forth and studied them and included them in our street performances in the 60s. And at the time then discovered Islam or discovered Sufism, Sufism amongst all the other men, many paths and uh, and began reading, you know, things like Rumi and the Sufi, Sufis in particular were very moved by them. But, but the things that in answer to your question about coming to Islam, I used to play music and I, the music I played was spontaneous, really kind of improvised and often uh, singing even improvised things, but based a lot of it at, often was based on Rumi poems. Hmm. But I also used to pray or I used to sing my prayers at that time. It was not formally, you know, I never grew up as a Christian. I grew up in Southern California without really any, any Christian. All you know, my parents were ostensibly Christian. Uh, I, I used to I used to sing my prayers and there was a period of time which I sang my prayer and and I was singing and I, uh, and I was asking God I was saying God please forgive me because you've been so generous 
but there's something more that I want in my life, and I don't know what it is, but please show me and take me to whatever that is. And I made that prayer for maybe a week, hmm. the same prayer, kind of more or less in different forms, calling out to God for this thing that I felt I needed inside and wanted inside, but didn't know what it was. And at the end of that week, I met a Muslim who I thought was, you know, someone, an expert on Sufism. And I said, I, well, I hear you're an expert, you know about Sufism. And he said, forget Sufism. Islam is this. And he told me the five, this is what Islam is. And when he told me what those five things were, it took about a half an hour of dawah, because I recognized it would have sort of went what I wanted and what I was asking for. And the point, I, the reason I say, and the point I'm making here by going into that detail is when you say the work I do now, this is something I hold in mind and understand about everyone that I work with, which is that every single person, whether they call themselves Muslim or not, Muslims and non-Muslims, inside us uh, by Allah's design, there is this inclination towards being Hanif, towards seeking the truth. And very often when people come to me in trouble, I consider it actually you know, they come to me for help, and I consider it in some ways a very positive thing. And I often will tell them that. I said, well, good. You're depressed. You're anxious. You know that that's good on one level because that means you want something more than the way things are now. And there are many people out there who are just satisfied with the kind of distracted lifestyle they live. And they're completely, you know, in harmony with the really, really out of bounds world as it is. So what you're seeking, and what you're seeking is the truth that's inside you. That's a good thing. So kind of helping them to understand this, this strength that they have inside in spite of the difficulties. And inspiration, I think, I hope at times, to see that this problems and struggle they're having is, in fact, them being on the path to the way out of that. And then affirming, you know, by Allah, you can do this. You can, you can find your way out. Yeah. You know, this brings up another important point, Sidi uh, Hakim. Basically, the, the, the khair or the blessing or the benefit of hardships or even evil, right, is sometimes it, it, di it redirects us or causes a shift or awakens us to something much deeper that if we didn't go through this tribulation, we would have remained in heedlessness, perhaps. What, what do you have to say about that? Well, one of the things, again, you know, one of my favorites, favorite lines from a really beautiful woman, Nais Nin. I don't know if you know Nais Nin. She was a, she was a very popular, she was a very angelic kind of figure that I met many, many years ago in the 60s. But one of her poems, she said, the flower had no choice but to bloom. Mm. Anything else was just too difficult. And, you know, that's basically the way I see the struggles that we have is that, you know, this again, this inclination towards the truth, towards ourself, towards Allah, towards reality and all of that. And towards, you know, an expansive wisdom, which is our birthright, is is a natural and a good thing to have, providing we recognize it as that and then we make use of it in that journey of coming forth. Mm -hmm from wherever we're at, from the darkness. And, you know, to see the difficulties of the world and, you know, the Prophet said that we can learn good behavior from those that don't have it, you know, and we can, we can affirm our moral kind of belief and principles by, in a hard way, seeing it how, when it's not present in the world around us, so, you know, that can be encouragement. As long as we don't push it too far, we sustain our compassion and understanding of 
struggles that people go through and how they lose the way, how people lose their way. Inshallah. Inshallah. So the work you do specifically, how would you describe it, Sidi Hakim? I suppose it's therapy, okay, first of all. And, you know, it's medicine on another level. And that's the way I started was with it under the kind of heading of medicine. But medicine is a very broad, uh, broad uh, arena, very broad context. Um, so, you know, I started uh, very, you know, I studied art and fine arts. And then I went to my, I had a teacher who said, well, you should do medicine. And that he helped me realize that I'd been, I loved medicine all my life, really, really young age, and the body and the anatomy of the body and the way the body works, and nature and biology and physics and all these kind of other scientific kind of things. So I started working primarily with medical things, you know, things like uh, arthritis and eczema and asthma and these problems, and with homeopathy, because uh, my first teacher was a homeopath. And studying, and because, because I became Muslim, I looked at, you know, I wanted to find the Islamic medicine that was as deep and as wisdom uh, informed as the Islam I was learning. The vast sea that I discovered Islam had in terms of knowledge in, in Quran and Hadith and so forth. Um, and so I began searching for that, the, the hikmah, the wisdom of uh, traditional Islamic medicine. And so I used homeopathy at that time, and I used herbal medicine, and I used counseling and developed counseling through the years. But eventually came to, in the more recent years, to somatic work, which I focus a lot on. And I'm basically right now pretty much engaged in, in defining somatic work. And somatic, by the way, means working with the body. And I'm pretty closely connected with this research with myself and a couple of my students. In, in looking not at how Islam has a psychology to it, but how psychology has an Islam to it, we might say. Interesting, yeah. If to say that, you know, it would be nice if, if, if we could look at it not as, you know, fitting Islam into a psychological model or the psychology model, which is the, one of the important pieces of the narrative of modern times. Really, modern world is so informed with psychology now that we speak in a language that we, we just take for granted. It comes from the modern psychological points of view. In Islam, we have, it's like, uh, I, I was just reading that uh, Sheikh Al-Azhar, Abdul Halim Mahmoud, year, many years ago, and we had, I know we had the fortune when I was first Muslim of spending time with him in London. He used to come and visit us. And he was one of these extraordinary gifts we had as a teacher at that time. But one of the things he said was that every Every sheikh, every Sufi sheikh is a psychotherapist as well. And so what I'm saying here is that, you know, I, I'm looking at how we can glean from our Islam the methods of healing. And, I, you know, I don't really even want to necessarily look at the psychotherapeutic aspects of it in that language, but more, more like, well, how do we become whole and how do we use our Islam as medicine for what ails us. That would be on all levels, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, whatever other, whatever level we want to add to that. You know, mammalian level, we could say. You know, because people say to me, well, will you come and lecture us and teach us on the medicine of the prophet? And I say, absolutely. 
Solaris and and uh, and I say, well, okay. First of all, let me get this clear. My belief here and my understanding of what I'm working with is the medicine of the prophet was called Islam, and it has in it if we find it and we take from it the guidance that's in it and often hidden from us, because we tend to look at the superficial or or one aspect of something that we in 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 a in a hadith or in an ayah of Quran and maybe miss another aspect. So when I say clean from it, I say, I mean, you know, with an understanding, with a deep understanding, taking from it what we need at this time. And in respect, in respect to that, I'll say that it's important to realize that the world, with all of its chaos and all of this sort of things we see, this total craziness, insanity that's going on in the world at large, that, that the Prophet said, he brought Islam for this time. You know, this is the time he brought it for when all of this chaos is, and it just looks so daunting, the future, the prognosis just, you know, and I say always, alhamdulillah, that Allah is in charge of this. We look at this impossible things that are going on and think, and that's what the world has done. The world has thrown up their hands and said, yeah, <laughs> I really don't know what to do. We don't. And, and so they try to fix with this band-aid and with that band-aid and this program and that program and this activity and this social activism and so forth. And the Muslims the same. They, 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 you know, they, we, we try to heal things in, in a very kind of, you know, sort of uh, blinders kind of way in a very minimal kind of sort of a direction and not, not as broad as it might be. And, and healing ourselves is, I would say, probably the most important first step or, or, or parallel step that we must do in any other healing. Mm. So it's that's powerful. You describe Islam as the medicine, right? Or instead of kind of making it a subcategory or compartmentalized category, it's like Islam is the medicine that the Prophet used. Now, maybe someone in the medical industry could be listening to this and going, what exactly is Sidi Hakim talking about? Maybe you can give us an example or two of, I mean, besides, of course, I think many people are aware of the spiritual shifa, the spiritual cure or healing of Islam, i.e., you know, finding your purpose, recognizing there's a greater meaning for my existence in the world at large, and of course, this tranquility with a relationship with the divine. These are all, you know, cures, if you will, that Islam offers. Um, but I know for a fact that there's what's also called prophetic medicine, and even different um, types of foods or, or practices that is found in the sunnah to help keep this you know, balance of the body and mind and spirit. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about that. We know that there's a healing in honey from Quran. We know the things the Prophet has said about black seed and so forth. But when I say glean from our guidance and our teachings, I what I mean is to, to look deeper and more deeply into what is there without us realizing it, that we need in very specific, particular ways in this time. One of the principles in the traditional hikmah, according to the Hakims, in terms of guidance and recognition of that Allah is in charge, and that well, Allah's, what he's done, and the, the, the awesomeness of what he's created, uh, is to see and to be able to recognize, well, what is out of balance, first of all? And also, what is inbound? What, is, what, is imba what does balance look like? And we have the model of the prophet in this community. So when we say the prophetic tradition, 
it's not that we necessarily want to just sort of transpose the lifestyle that took place in the time of in his time, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, which would be wonderful, of course, if we have if we can do it. But but to have the objective and and the objectivity and the perspective to be able to see just how crazy this world is, and then see what that was, you know, what what was not in what is not in place from his time to this time, helps us to understand the pathologies and to sort of get a handle on what's so out of balance. Our lifestyle, for example, you know, just just one example of how crazy it is to be in these two thousand plus. Hunks of metal, with, you know, tearing down the road at 60, 70, 85 miles an hour, trying to get somewhere. I mean, duh, you know. And and so if we begin to look at these hadith about, you know, the Prophet said, I'm saying, like, you know, the man who is who is who is walking is is more blessed than the one who's running, the one who's standing more blessed. These things about just being being still and stopping, or or things that he said, I'm said about time. Time is compressing, you know, time is getting, it's condensing, and we know that time is heating up, these kinds of things, but also the things that he, you know, the guidance he gave, one of the hadiths that I like to point out in that respect is, you know, the common thing that most Muslims take, and they, they re reiterate, and they speak about all the time, and don't follow, which is one-third food, one-third water, one-third empty, this is, we hear this how many times, and I've heard it for, you know, 40 plus years, as the Muslim, and you know, no one—I mean, only a few people follow that, you know. Um, but the first part of that hadith, in which he saw, he said, "I'm said the son of Adam only needs a few morsels enough to keep his back straight." Subhanallah. And so that's the first thing he's saying. And so we, so that's why I say, gleaning from that, you know, okay, yes, and because it says, and so then, therefore, he only eats. Then he only one third food. That's the that's keeping the that's to keep the back straight. That's the point. And Allah said, keep your back straight if you're in the front ranks of the salat. So the ones behind you are inclined to do the same. There's nothing it hurts me more to go into a to a juma, a gathering of juma, and everybody's collapsed. You know, they're lying, you know, or they might be sitting up, you know, unfortunately often just pretending they're awake and paying attention. <laughs> But, but, you know, the work I do, and this somatic work is what I've gotten into recently, I was about to refer to more currently. And somatic meaning referring to the body. Yeah. You know, a lot placed us in these bodies. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, in the Quran, he says, okay, he created the clod and then, the, you know, the, the, the flesh. And then after, you know, three periods, our souls. And so now our, here we are. Our soul is put into this body in our mother's womb. Mm -hmm. And it's still there in our bodies, folks. You know, and I try to Subhanallah. tell people who recognize and say, and you know, I say, well, ask your ask your soul, how are you doing in your soul? How have you been? Where I've taken you, what I've done with you, what I've done and what I've not done. How has it been for you? And how are you now? And what do I need? What 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 do you need from me, this body? And if we look at our 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 our, uh, our dean, how much of it is actually physical? That's right. It's so much different. I mean, while, while our salah, standing, bowing, crossing, while, while that is a ritual on one level, it is an action. It's an action, a physical action, not only submission, 
placing seven points on the ground, on the earth itself. And the prophet did it on the earth, on the ground, on the sand, on the dirt. And he would often leave the dirt on his forehead after he prostrated. And for the Malikis, you know, they, you know, they make a point of that. On the ground as much as possible. But not only is it, it so it's a physical action. And, and wudu is not a ritual thing with symbolic water. It's with real water in our face. Right, right. What one sheikh said to me, he said part of the, the, the reason we make wudu you know, on all these things is that the water itself, the physicality of that, not only cleanses the body physically, but it wakes the nerves up, wakes our being up. And he said, so it wakes us up so that we can be present for the salah. Right. And then we have, you know, then we have fasting, which is this remarkable kind of extraordinary kind of physical thing in which it's not something we do. It's something we don't do. Mm. What a brilliant thing from Allah. What a guidance. If there's things we do, the salah, you know, the wudu, the hajj, also physical. We go to a place. And that also is an affirmation of place, has mean, having meaning and having something more than just an idea or concept. So sadaqah is giving something physically, you know, so on. I could go on and on. In the Quran, it says on, on that day of judgment in which every part of your body will speak for you or against you. What does that mean? It means that in these bodies, you know, the Prophet he said, he said, there's three things that bring coolness to my eye. He said, the green of nature, running water, and a beautiful face. Notice what this hadith it just, you know, it moved me when I, when I first heard it or read it. And now I realize that as I do this work with the body, I realize more and more as I study neurology, modern science, which I don't, you know, I believe can be commentaries on our Islam. Right. Commentaries that can help us glean from our deen the things that may be pertinent for our times. And in a way, it's kind of like I'm kind of seeing that what's happening in, in the scientific world, from neurology to biology to all physics, even, that they're beginning, it's, it's not like Islam had it all, that they're beginning to catch up to the principles that are in our guidance. And I, 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 you know, to be honest, I know people that have studied physiology and they say, well, the physiology and study of physiology in the body. That's just helped me to understand the awesomeness of what Allah has created. You know, and so it should take us more to that place of recognizing the, the, the majesty of Allah. So somatic work is working with the body and working with what Allah has designed into us. Back to your question. Let's get back to that. So these things of the honey, honey, black seed, and all these additional things that people looked at, yes, those are meaningful valuable we have to put it in context we have to understand how they're used how they're not used cupping and so forth and uh, you know hijama and whatever um but we also want to look even more deeply at the broad kind of treasure the the the, the, the huge kind of sea the enormous body of guidance that you begin and begin to see well, what are the pieces that are going to be important here for us like this i had in the quran of the alternation of day and night in it is a sign allah says and he doesn't say a sign for those who reflect or those of remembrance he says for those people of deep understanding 
that's significant that he uses that term in that I had. So the alternation of day and night, yeah, this tells us about everything that's alive. And it tells us about our own being and our system, our nervous system, and how the self activates and settles. Or does not activate and settle, which is a picture when it does not activate or settle appropriately. It's a picture of a dysregulated self that can have depression, anxiety, manic states, <laughs> bipolar, all of these things that, you know, they've, their attempts, with due respect, their attempts at kind of delineating and enumerating and measuring and getting control over. And that's one of the most important things I want to mention is that we live in an age of control over. This is something that happened, the Descartian mind, body, uh, this whole thing of you know controlling nature and controlling morality rather than accepting what Allah has provided. And one of the many hikmas and wisdoms that I focus on and to remind people of is just Allah gave us in this body with its innumerable processes that take place every moment, every second. Processes right now in you and I that we could not enumerate. It's not thousands, millions, trillions. It's beyond that because the traditional saying is it's a it's a little universe contained in here. Out there is kind of like the big universe. So this is correspondence, micro macrocosm, micro macrocosm, and and everything that happens out there. In fact, it used to be when when clouds were there's a certain pattern in the sky. The, the Hakims would know, well, if the clouds are like that and the barometric pressure, whatever, the weather's like this, we will see these kind of illnesses. Interesting. And that's been lost. So that's my message to the modern medicine, is there's so much more to learn. But this principle that we don't want to control everything, we're not going to do something. But now modern medicine wants to control, they want to be in control. The doctor of physicians, how many said to me, well, I want to know what's going to happen if I give them this medicine. Right. That you don't really know anything about because it came from a pharmaceutical thing and it's only less than a year old and they have to call the salesman to find out about it. Stuff or love. You know, it's a sad state of affairs. So allowing and enabling these healing processes, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, allowing them to take place rather than making it or forcing or, or doing something, figuring something, figuring something out as something part of the modern well, I'm going to figure this out, you know. And, of course, we have to have the wisdom to know how do we allow, how do we, as in the Hadith, the Prophet said, about removing the obstacles from the path of the believer is, is a, part a, of the man. Yeah. And, and it's also a part of medicine. Yeah, especially if Islam is a medicine, then anything you do under Islamic prescription is a type of healing or curing. It can be. It can be, yes. On the other hand, we can also do what they call spiritual bypassing. We can also take the Islam and we can we can parrot what we've heard and what's been said, and it does not go in. in, in Imam uh, Hakim Tirmidhi said, our Iman... And this is another point in terms of the somatic principles. He said our iman is not genuine or real until we embody it. So tell us more about this. Like, how do we embody it? How do we really yani, unify the ideas that are out there, the tradition that we're studying? How do we really embody this? Because I feel like this is something I have been 
aware of and conscious of within myself. And I know that it's sometimes really difficult to keep giving the body what it needs. Um, but I did, you know, I went to grad school in San Francisco. So there was, of course, a heavy emphasis in the program I was doing of integral psychology and making sure you also take care of the body. And I really explored and discovered like at a whole new level, like what that really means to be in the body and to see how the body can speak to you and communicate and how taking just some beautiful deep breaths or stretching your body out can reactivate and reboot you and even get rid of negative energy for the day. Like these are treasures that many people don't tap into, let's say on a daily basis or as Muslims, we may not see our salah as a means or a gate to do something like that. It's just more like, I have, you know, I'm going to pray, I have to pray because, you know, it's part of our deen. And, or maybe I do love Allah and I want to go and remember and thank Him and that's great. But sometimes even the postures are rushed, you know, like you don't really, some people don't really, you know, elasticate in those uh, motions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prescribed for us. So tell us more about what it really means to be embodied. Can you give us some concrete examples, some case studies? How, how can somebody kind of tap into this if they have no idea what we're talking about? What does it even mean to become embodied or to, to become more aware of the body and, and, and what it needs? I like your term, elasticate. That's great. Right? <laughs> but yeah, and that is the, that is the, that is the question. And um, Actually, and as I say, that is a question that reminds me of the Shakespeare line, which is to, to be or not to be. Right. Because talking about when, you know, when we say be uh, or not to be, it's about presence, you know, and presence in the body. And back again to what I started with earlier saying, which is in the modern world, uh, you know, we're not living in a life. We live a, in a crazy lifestyle that's so disconnected. The prophet says something. He carried wood on his back and clearly responded to someone who wanted to take it. He said, no, I don't carry this. He rode horses. He rode donkeys. He rode camels. He walked. And we lived in the world physically much so much more than we do now. Mm. We live in the world now where we, we don't, you know, we don't even, we don't even take number 11, the bus, the Moroccan style, which is walking, you know, the two legs, and, you know. And so in this disembodied, abstracted world we live in now, where we have reality to you, so even more important to come back into the body. So when you said learning how our body speaks, I, you know, I would tweak that even a little degree more saying, uh, you know, we, where the listening to body is speaking from the body. Mm. My, my teacher said, you know, traditionally, we understood the brain as not being something up here in the skull. The brain was our being, mm. you know, our self, and, 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 and intelligence, thinking, he said, came from, if we think of as whole beings, from the, from the top of our head to the bottoms of our toes to our fingertips. Our brain is just headquarters in the brain, but to all of our fingertips. So the wholeness of that, so we have to remember, look at that term, remember. On one hand, it refers to memories. On the other hand, a member is your hands and your arms and your face. Imam al-Ghazali, he said, you know, we make wudu of our arms, the arms themselves with real water, because the arms are where we lift our, you know, brothers and sisters from their difficulties or we embrace someone. Mm -hmm. So recognizing that Allah placed our souls in these bodies and yet we've forgotten, especially in the modern world of all of this separation, 
from his creation and from our bodies. We, we have to regain that. In, and, and you find people who live very simply in the world, people who live in little in houses they build from the materials around them. Uh, you know, I'm not saying we, we should do that purposely, but they've probably been and we'd be better off, you know. So we have to make some sort of conscious effort to extricate ourselves from this dilemma that we've placed ourselves in collectively over this long period of time and come back to our bodies. And so that can be done. Mindfulness, a lot of the mindfulness exercises and principles bring us to our body. A lot of things you were describing bring us to our bodies. But I would suggest there's even more that we can do when we begin to understand a lot of these things that have been given to us from our being. Things like hal, ketha hal, what is our hal, what is our state, understanding, under, understanding principles of kabd and bast, of contraction and expansion and recognizing alternation of day and night, understanding how our systems are all in Allah's design. So there's complementary systems always working on multiple levels. Complementary systems, yeah, yeah, they're complementary. Um, but but the point the point about becoming embodied. Uh, first of all, one of the hikmas I can give, and I'm not pointing to specific uh, ayahs or hadith here, but every you know the the range of emotions. But it's related to traditionally we always understand the macro and micro. Every the, the 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 range of sensations. Allah has given our bodies hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of nerves and the ability to sense sensory nerves. You know, there are people that can actually see red and green with their fingertips. There are there are blind people blind people can who can ride a bicycle down a busy street by by clicking their tongues and hearing the echo. Echo. You know, I met a man once. Kind of like bats, right? Bats, but there's people that can do that. And I met a man once who could read Arabic letters by smelling them. Are you serious? SubhanAllah. <laughs> the capabilities that Allah has given us in this body for sensation. You know, this term we use, coming to your senses. Be sensible. You know, stand on your own two feet. Right. Oh, I could go on and on of the references, somatic references, that point to this idea being whole, complete, and so forth. So the, the, coming back to this, you know, there are methods we can use. It's kind of, that's a medicine to me. The work I do is a medicine in which we begin to discover or rediscover. We're not learning something new about being in the body. We were there when we were children and we saw something exciting and we jump up and down with excitement, first of all, and then second of all, run to someone else and say, come and look at this, come right. and look at this, to, to share it. That enthusiasm of being present in the body. So the so the nuancing, the, the the number of sensations available to us is in great in number as all we find in the entire universe. SubhanAllah. From the stars to the mountains. And when we look at a mountain, or we look at the stars, or we look at the earth or the mud or the whatever we observe, whatever we take in and perceive, there is a corresponding response inside us and there will be a different response in looking at the mountain than there will be looking at the stars and looking at the man that we love and we long to see and the one that annoys us and so on 
And that's nothing other than our response to the face of Allah, which is always seen the universe from the left to right on the horizon at any given time. And so we're beginning to become cognizant, cognizant, you know, understanding and recognize, recognizing how I respond and what happens in our body is a means by which we start coming back to the body. So mindfulness and awareness, but I have particular methods and a lot of the somatic people that do the somatic work nowadays, it's become, I mean, there's a, there's a workshop a symposium in Harvard this year about body and mind and how about one is so, so intricate, so inextricably linked with the other. And the Prophet when he said, in the body there is an organ, and when that organ is a sound, the body is sound, that also is an indication of the inextricable kind of connection between the inner and our body. And the harmony of it, and, and, or, and the embedded, or the separation of it, the, the, the loss of it. So coming back to life and coming back to awareness. Do you think, Sidi Hakim, that reactivating of the heart is an integral channel to reawaken the body and what can you tell us more about as far as the heart in islamic medicine as an organ of perception or as playing a vital role to our overall health because many people might be listening to this and go yeah there's the mind and the body but part of the mind and the body is also the heart and it's not just a physical blood pumping okay and, and the prophet he said that there is an organ it's a it's actual an organ you know it's this body of flesh and it's there, but again, back to this principle that that organ pumps blood, the substance of life out to the fingertips, to the carotid artery. Still, still not a small feat, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and so in that sense, the heart extends right to the surface of our skin. Subhanallah. And so when we say heart, we, you know, we, we tend to conceptualize and idealize and abstract these ideas of spiritual heart coming from the heart you know and i would suggest that a person who comes from their heart we could also define that as someone who comes from their entire self more you know the, the, it, it, and uh, and so you know we, we we tend to abstract it as well it's going to be right here and it's only going to be quote unquote spiritual things one of the beautiful things i found about islam as a convert was this inclusion of all aspects of being in ourselves and in our world as part of the whole business of the dean. Political, social, individual, personal, interactive, familial, biological, mammalian, you know, and the and the connection that we have with Allah's creation, with us at the center of creation was we you know, you know, people say, well that's Anthropocentric, yeah, well, fine, but you know our way of understanding anthropocentrism traditionally was not the same as you know projecting ourselves into the world. Was seeing our responsibility as potential khalifas of Allah at the center of a creation in which we partook in some way of all these things around us, and every animal, every stone, every plant, everything that's be around us in some way we have access to by our being present or by or not you know the japanese are these days the, the japanese have developed this thing they call forest bathing really yeah they call it forest bathing and what they do is they they're, they're what they say is well just go into the forest and just be there 
You don't have to nice. do anything. You don't have to. You don't have to know what kind of tree that is and reflect on this and do this exercise. It's just be there. And in their studies, physiologically, with you know scientific so-called scientific stuff, they discovered this stuff thing happens by the pr- trees being there when you being with them. I, by the same token, here in New Mexico, the Native Americans, you know, one of the things they love to do is they love to spend time with each other. But they say one of the things they say is, "Why do these white people talk all talk all the time?" Seriously, <laughs> they they like just to just kind of meet up with their cousins and their brothers, and they just like to be there with them. They don't have to say anything; just be in the room with them. But I would suggest that there is a sensibility about that, and that in the connection or presence, there's probably more language that takes place that we don't we can't even measure, right? In some way. So, so when we you say the heart, yes, you know, and all of this guidance that we've been, been given, it gives us, if we listen to it, and if it comes from someone else who also is coming from their heart, you know, that one person can say, well, Allah created the heavens and the earth, and they could, you know, they can talk about the hadith, they can talk about Islam, and, you know, we've heard it before. And another person can say one thing. I remember once I was so ill that uh, I couldn't get out of bed. And I was in London and, you know, one of the people I was living around, he said, come to, the, come, come to our center, the Zawiya, because there was Sheikh there, his, his, uh, Sheikh, he was, uh, uh, he was uh, from the Koromo Islands, Sheikh Abdullah was his name. Uh, and he, was, he said, come because he's, he's here and he's relieving us doing Maghrib. Come for the slot. And I was so sick, I couldn't get up. And he said, no, oh, you've got to come. I got up and I went to the, I went to the Salat, struggled, fever, aching, got in line, and he began reciting Quran, and when he got to he said it in a very particular way. I heard it, and my illness left. Gone. Wow. And I, in time now, looking back at it, I realize that ayah is, is a, it's a it's a particular interest, particularly valuable content. Yeah, can that move only use? And 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 when I heard it, but when he spoke, the point I'm making here is our state affects other states. Right. And we have one, you know, we have one teacher uh, who, who will say this thing, and it'll go into our hearts and it'll resonate because their state. So a lot of what I work with in coming back to the body is beginning to recognize. Not only Kefahal, but you know, your state, but where's my state? And science of states was, I would suggest, more nuanced and maybe deeper in the past in our history than it is now. And that concept or science of the states is probably, you know, in terms of back to this thing of the psychology, it's probably more valuable in our articulation of a psychology, if you will, and want to put that, because psychology is a reasonable word, the you know, the ology of our psyches. Of our being, right. of ourself, whatever term you want to use, is maybe more useful or valuable to explore. Same with Kabdin Bust, you know, exploration of the, the dynamic of that in a person of who's depressed, very heavy state of, of contraction, or who's anxious, which is in a state of, of a mixed contraction of two, two energies at odds with each other. You know, 
and, and creating a, 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 a stress or a, you know, like foot on the gas activation, foot on the brake, slowing down, activating the setting at the same time, caught stuff. So, um, so, so the, the, that's the thing to be or not to be. And how do we do that? How do we come into it in our body again? You know, I mean, again, so many Muslims believe that they're good Muslims, quote unquote, good Muslims, because they're going through all the things, which is, you know, our thought that's good to do that. And pray that it becomes genuine so that when we make our salah, it's with koshua, it's with awareness that, or we read the ayat and it causes our body. You know, in the Quran, and there's ayat says, for those read the ayat and their body responds, you know? Yeah, it's we, alive. We, we pray, pray for that to be a genuine thing for us. You know, and, I, and the story I always tell is the one of Rumi where the, the man is in salah and they're standing shoulder to shoulder. And they're making the prayer. And the man suddenly says, oh, I left my door open at the house. <laughs> and the Classic. You stupid idiot. You just broke your salah by, by talking. And the third man's thinking, he broke his salah too. <laughs> and the point Ruby's making is that third man, you know, in other words, we want to be there in our prostration, in our bowing and prostrate. You know, we want to be present with that. And Oh, we want to be in ourselves with others. Many people ask me this, like, how do I quiet the chatter in my head before salah? Like, I pray, but I don't feel it. I'm not paying attention. I'm not present. What's wrong with me? What's some advice you can give to people that may ask that? If I could, I could tell you how many times people have come to me with that very question. And basically, again, the methods, like I say, the more we understand the dynamics of the self, you know, and that's self-knowledge, the more we understand the dynamics of the self, you know, what, how, emotion, how an emotion comes about, how a dissociation comes about, and why a dissociation comes about. Because we're talking here about dissociation, about doing the prayer, going through the motions, mechanically and rote without being present, Right. And or you say mind, some Allahu Nuru Samawati wal Ard. We have avoided the Ard and we were so many people were not grounded. So basically, I mean in a simple answer, but again, the mecha, the mechanics of how we enable a person to to come back to homes where they're balanced between Samawati wal Ard and not so much in their head. Ideas, thoughts happen up here in this realm of endless possibilities thoughts are kind of like a fire with its never-ending flickering flames shapes endless shapes ideas and and one of the difficulties in the modern world is that we win we live in this world of ideas and idealisms and that's disconnect and those ideas and isms are connected when they're disconnected from the, the body the mammalian animal body soft animal body as one poet put it then it allows for these things that are unthinkable because it's based on ideas, not on realities of our being as human and whole, like I say, mammalian beings, which have at our core the inclination, the natural inclination for kindness and connection, love, you know, right. and, and affection, yeah. love and affection and devotion. Devotion is a, a unique thing that happens, you know, it's an extension. And we can put names on these things, and there are names for these things, cherishing of others and so forth. 
And it's something that's, you know, it's, it's diminishing in the modern world to a certain degree because the basic connection system is diminishing. So coming from down from the head into the body. So the simple answer in the first, to that first question, first simple answer is coming back into the body, coming into the feet, coming into the legs. And that doesn't mean running and exercising or going to the gym and being on the treadmill. It means awareness of being present in the body and, and, and recovering that ability to be aware, step by step, gently, regularly, becoming present. And I say, I remember the time when I'd been working on this embodiment, two things. One, I remembered going out and I was looking at, well, if everything out there my body responds to, I remember going out and seeing this tree that was in New Mexico in the autumn, the brilliant golden tree. I looked at it and said, okay, I knew it was beautiful. I felt, I felt it was beautiful. So I said, so where am I feeling of beauty? And I looked at that tree and I said, what? And it wasn't like I was asking my body, oh, it's kind of like that. You know, like you said, the body speaks, body tells you. But I noticed my back. I was feeling the beauty of that golden tree all across my back. And it almost wow. goosebumps. And the other one was when I was doing this work and studying the working trying to come back into my body, which I left. I left my body at the expense of two marriages. Mm, subhanAllah. Too late, I realized. Years later, after 12 years of not being there, I realized I was not really there. I was there in idea. I was there in principle. And actions that were not based on being able to hear. And one day, I remember this person told me about their brother and some terrible things that happened to their brother. And I had already worked at this body. Embodiment, I felt that they said in such a deep way that I, it was more than it was more than it was more than hearing. It was compassion and empathy in a way that I'd never experienced it. And I felt the grief that she felt about her brother and about her brother for the, most of the rest of the day. You know, and so. You know, coming back to this is our birthright. But we, have, we men, especially, we have to work at it because we're trained. We're trained to get the job done, fix it, do this. You know, something more than 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 beating at this. And the women, our women, generally still, it's changing some. But generally, they've been present in their body and feelings, which is a kind of intelligence. Thank God for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good reminder for us. Perhaps, perhaps the the very fact that most women will end up getting pregnant and giving birth. I mean, that's a getting embodied process more than anything else, as far as the human experience goes. So they they hold it down for us in, in so many ways. That's a heavy lesson in the body, isn't it? Subhanallah. And as time goes on, you know how it gets towards the end of the pregnancy. You know, I know a couple of women right now who are at their last stages and. Wow. You know, I mean, I can only admire that, you know, because we don't have access to them. We can talk. And that's our thing. We can talk lots. Talk is cheap in that respect. And then there's a value to our talk and sharing, of course. But we want to embody it. So so often I have couples that come to me and, you know, it's the woman's very embodied. She's very present with her feelings. She's a whole, much more whole person. And the man, you know, I remember the great line was, you know, I said, well, how are you doing? And, 
and she said all this thing and and I said to him, I said, well, and what's your response to what she said? Because she brought the, the, the meeting about it. And he said, well, I think we have two people here. They're very, they love very, each other very much. And I said, well, who are these two people? I looked around, you know, like, you know, are they in this room somewhere? In other words, he was already disembodying. Two, he was speaking from a third person about himself and his parents, rather than saying, I feel. And so that inclination, but very often with couples, it's almost like, in those movies where the person, the pilot has died, and, and the, down, the, the tro- control tower is saying, okay, we see that thing in front of you. If you push that and you do this, they're kind of talking them down. To- <laughs> <laughs> I often feel like the, the, you know, the, the, the patient wife, they're almost trying to talk their husband down into being present in the body from being up in this crash, this place that could potentially be disastrous crash. Relationship keepers. And that's and that's the metaphor, you see. If you're up there in outer space, spaced out. Right, right. You're spaced out, man. Get back to Earth, man. Yeah, come down. You know, you know. Ground control to Major Tom, man. Exactly, ground control. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all these things that come. All these things come from meanings that we understand consciously, unconsciously. Ah, Kramakamala. I think that was a really good um, sharing of of you know what it means to keep somatics in mind and how Islam is a medicine and that our teaching, if you really examine it closely and deeply, subhanAllah does have quote unquote prescriptions for the multifaceted being that we are. But in essence, it's to make sure we experience being ourselves as a total and unified being, right? Tawheed for Allah and Tawheed for all existence and creation because it all comes from one source. And we are also, like you said, a microcosm, an example of that. So, you know, you have all the same elements in the cosmos as in us. We have stardust, we have energy, we have heat, we have water, we have earth and magnesium and calcium and rivers are flowing in our bodies and trees are our lungs and so on and so forth. I mean, really, as you said, if you really think about it, as the Quran reminds us, it's people of understanding will see how it's all one, the one and the many and the many within the one. Absolutely, mashallah. And and think about it when you say if we think about it, if we think deeply about it and deeply with our whole being, we can you know and, and recognize that that's possible. Thinking with our whole being is also, I would suggest, you know, an aspect of being genuine, of being sadiq, being you know being authentic. You might say I'm not sure how that's way to translate that, but. And that means, and it was uh, Sheikh Hamza, he said, you know, that genuine, being genuine is the same root word as being genius. SubhanAllah. So, mashallah. Sidi Hakim, it's been an honor to get your wisdom today. We hope to have you on again soon. Inshallah. I, I enjoyed it. I appreciate it. I hope it's useful. But I'm glad you're doing this. Very glad you're, I think it's really good you're doing this. And these are very good things. People listen and... Uh, Inshallah, they take guidance when they can, and you know, may Allah help us all. <laughs>